0: This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 27. Welcome to the how Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we wanna bring
1: you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin.
0: Hey, what's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That. My name's Grant, and I am honored that you decided to hang out with us today. Hope you're doing well. Hopefully, life's treating you good I know life's been good here. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but we're actually, uh, my family and I, getting ready to move to Nashville cue some country music twang uh, pretty excited about that looking forward to that it's gonna be a lot of fun if you haven't uh, we've posted a little more about it and why we're going and when we're headed there and all that stuff you can check that out over on the on the blog at uh, grantwalnercom slash blog if you want to if you'd like to see that but yeah super excited about that a lot of good stuff happening there so hey uh, we got a great episode for you today we have got my buddy Josh ship with us today and and Josh is a guy who's been a uh, he's really been a big influence in my own career as a, as a speaker in fact I think we've referenced him a time or two on the podcast as someone that really helped me get going as a youth speaker and uh, kind of get going and and uh, get my career started. So, in, in fact, you can listen to, to more details in episode one. Uh, you can find that at GrantBalden.com/slash/myjourney. If you'd like to check that out to hear a little bit more about how I got into this and how I got into to speaking, but. But yeah, several years ago, I had this idea that I think I, I think I want to be a speaker. That sounds like a cool gig. And I was doing some some similar stuff at the time that, that uh, just kind of appealed to maybe getting into speaking. And so a great takeaway here is find someone that's doing something similar to what you want to do and learn from them and soak it up. There's, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel here, people. Find someone that's doing something you like that when you see that you just immediately resonate with, you connect with and think, ah, yes, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's the kind of career that I want to have. That's the kind of business I want to start. That's the kind of job I want to take. Whatever that thing is, find someone that's doing something similar. So, so Josh was really that uh, that for me. Whenever I got started speaking, so so uh, Josh is just a uh, he's a great speaker, great dude. And uh, so we'll talk a lot about his journey. We'll talk about if you're interested in getting into speaking, we'll talk a little bit about that today on how you can get started as a speaker. Uh, we'll also we'll talk about what do you do when you're in a career? Do you accomplish a lot? What you set out to do? You're, you're thinking you're you're going to do something for life. And then it just doesn't take a lifetime to meet those goals. Maybe you you arrive at the mountaintop and you're like, I've you know I accomplished a lot of what I set out to do. What do what do you do then? So we talk a lot about that today as well. So I uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation, this chat, this interview with Josh. Lots of good nuggets and uh, knowledge biscuits for you to uh, to chew on today. So uh, as always, you can find links, show notes, everything we discuss at grantbalden.com slash Ship. So check that out. Check this out. Enjoy. Here's Josh. All right, today I'm hanging out with my friend Josh Shipp. How you doing, man?
1: dr Baldwin, an honor
0: bishop it's always good to, to speak with you i got to say up, up top here as a uh, speaker, you've been a huge impact and influence in my world and just kind of helping me get started years and years ago uh, so long ago, neither of us remember this, but <laughs> we met up at a boot camp you put on, uh, and I was going, okay who's this ship guy I got to figure out how to become a speaker. This guy seems to know what he's doing so I uh, appreciate the the insight and feedback you've given in my own journey and my own career and uh, you speakers that are, are interested in going down a similar path he Josh has definitely got to to check out.
1: Yeah, man, you're welcome. You were there for the very first experimentation of what eventually became You Speaker University. Dude,
0: we were, th- we were there at day one. I feel like I'd, I'd get some credit for what you it has sh- evolved into. You
1: should. You should be somewhere in the credits of that for, for putting up with uh, sort of the unpolished version of something that would eventually be good. But I certainly attribute your success and really anyone's success in life and in business not to just getting the information that you needed to get, but really having the guts, the courage, uh, and the endurance to implement that, make it your own and really put it into practice.
0: Adorable. That's so true. (laughs) All right. Enough of this motivational speaker stuff. So you've always kind of been known as a speaker, but even today your business has shifted a little bit for someone that's, that may be listening to this, that isn't familiar with, with who you are, what you do. Give us a quick snapshot of what your story is.
1: Yeah. So basically I had sort of this insane upbringing. I was a foster kid, sort of, uh, in and out of a bunch of different foster homes, went through sort of a lot of uh, turmoil and difficulty as a young person, as we all do in our own way. And when I was 17, I was living with my final set of foster parents at the time. I lived in close to a dozen different foster homes. And at the time, as a way to sort of deal with my dysfunction, I was, I was being a class clown. I was being pretty disruptive in class and these sorts of things. And this teacher who was the head of an organization called DECA, basically bribed me to shut up in class. And she said, uh, you know, if you shut up during class, I'll let you have like the last five minutes of class and you can get up and talk and do whatever you want. And so I was like, all right, that's that's kind of cool. So I cooperated. And then eventually she approached me and she said, Josh, I know most of these other teachers see you as a class clown, but I really think you're a leader. You know, I think when people are laughing, you have That person's attention. And when you have someone's attention, you have the opportunity to do something meaningful uh, with that attention. And so uh, I'm not going to say that was a life-changing moment, but it certainly was a catalytic moment. It sort of planted this sort of question in my mind, this sort of way of looking at something that I had never seen before. So I ran for class office, ran for office in this organization, DECA, and found myself in a position of leadership. And early on, that position of leadership was very much all about me. It was very ego-based. I enjoyed the attention you know, that I didn't get as a kid. Now I'm getting it for being a class clown or the president of this organization. And I would have to go around and give little speeches to the middle schools and elementary schools sort of touting DECA propaganda and how they should join DECA when they got to high school. Right. And then uh, teachers started saying, hey, you should come back and talk to the class again, and this time you don't have to talk about DECA, you can kind of talk about whatever. So I started doing that, and then eventually I started getting little offers here and there to sort of show up and get paid to speak, which obviously I was just shocked by, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, a couple hundred bucks, whatever – and then I just sort of became fascinated with both the art and the business of speaking. And slowly it became something quite meaningful to me, not something just to do out of ego or to get attention, but something that when done from a place of authenticity and done in a way that uh, is earnest and authentic to you as an individual, you're not going to change someone's life, but you could, you know, like that teacher, plant an idea, a thought, something in their head that if that person has the courage to go out and implement it and put it into practice, you could serve as a catalyst to helping them change their life. So that was that was kind of getting into it. And then struggling through trying to figure out the business side of things, you know, it's very much like any sort of creative art. You have this, you know, it's hard enough to become a good speaker. There's a lot of work and trial and error that comes into that. And then there's there's this whole other business side of it. Now that I have this kind of Product that I've honed and crafted through trial and error and many tears and getting booed and doing terribly. Now, how do I go out and intentionally, systematically try to get people to buy that product.
0: Now, let's back up for a second. So even as a kid, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you went through just a hellish season of life, a long mm-hmm. season, a long stretch. So I mean, at that point, even just growing up, is there anything on your radar of what you want to do, what you want to become in life? Or is it more just you're just kind of in survival mode?
1: Good question. Yeah, I'm just in survival mode. And Uh, I I do remember something that's just shocking to look back at is I was so dysfunctional, so distrusting of adults, so angry, chip on my shoulder, all these sorts of things. And people would try to step into my life and help me, caring adults of a variety of fashion. I had been burned early by a few adults, and so I sort of wrote off all adults as just a carbon copy of some of those early adults. And I remember just thinking that I knew what I was doing and that, and that I was fine and that everyone else was just sort of naive to my situation. So I, I was, as you said, just really in survival mode. I had, I had no ambitions. I had no dreams for myself. But I think what I did have, um, something that was initially a weakness that now has become a strength – is, you know, I could endure a lot of difficulty. I could endure a lot of pain, a lot of crap, a lot of things not going my way. And I was incredibly mischievous. I was constantly trying to get kicked out of the homes. I would keep a notebook and I would score in that notebook the date I entered the foster home, the date I exited the foster home, and the strategy that I used to get kicked out. And I would attempt to sort of optimize my strategy to get kicked out of the next home even quicker
0: it's like a video game
1: cheat system or yeah yeah so i had this mischievousness that was you know rooted in some dark and sad stuff but eventually has become a strength to me as far as trying to figure out how can i sort of look at some sort of goal that i want to accomplish and some things are best to go sort of the traditional route that perhaps the masses are going but for other things there are ways to do it that perhaps might be more efficient, more effective, or perhaps just a less crowded channel.
0: Right. So at the time, you know, even into your teenage years, you're kind of the class clown. At what point are you realizing, are you realizing even before you're you're that kind of epiphany with the DECA teacher, are you realizing like, hey, whenever I am making jokes or cutting up that I am getting people's attention or was it until, you know, they really pointed it out to you where you, you had that light bulb moment?
1: Well, again, and I'm just being honest. I did notice that I had people's attention, but I could, I not even for a second looked at that as an asset or an opportunity. It, again, it was just ego based. It was I was heavy as a kid, so it's like, hey, wow, this is a nice change to have people sort of laughing with me instead of at me and making fun of me. And you know that humor became sort of my currency. It became the way that I you know, would get a date with a girl. It became the way that I would make a friend. It would be the way that I would deal with conflict. It would be sort of that currency in my life. And so very early on, it was, again, all about me, all about me, my ego. This was something for me. But eventually, very slowly over time, and I was in counseling, you know, as a senior in high school. So that began to help, certainly, those hours and hours and hours of counseling. That, uh, you know, maybe this was something that just wasn't for me, but something I could do to, to benefit others as well.
0: Right. So you're doing it in high school. You're a part of DECA. You're speaking a few times here and there. At what point are you beginning to see, like, this could be a, an actual career path more than just uh, this is kind of a fun little way to make people laugh?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I had seen various speakers at DECA conferences or that uh, the high school that I went to, Yukon High School in Oklahoma, would hire and bring in. And it was interesting, and I think this is helpful for all of us in some sort of endeavor that, that we get into. I needed to, I think, for me, see two different types of speakers. I needed to first see someone doing the thing that I wanted to do who was terrible, but yet who was out there working, getting paid to do it. Because even when I was 17 or 18, I'm sitting there thinking, that, I, I'm not great, I know I'm not that right, good, right. But, I, but I think I could at least be 1% better than that guy, because, oh my gosh, that was terrible. So that was helpful. But then also on the other side, uh, our school brought in someone who was uh, the person that I consider to be the greatest speaker who has ever lived or who will ever live on the entire planet. It's a guy named Mark Brock, And he spoke at our school, and I was like, oh my, what on earth just happened? Yeah. It was authentic, it was hilarious, it was meaningful, it was deep, and it was 100% authentic and genuinely him. And that was a moment where I felt like, you know, motivational speaker isn't something, you know, just to be mocked or made fun of on SNL or whatever, these sorts of things. But it is something that could genuinely and earnestly make a difference in someone's life because in that 45 minutes that that he spoke, it, it certainly did for me.
0: And so that was what, your junior, senior year of high school?
1: Yeah, yeah, junior year.
0: So it seems there's so many people I've talked to who would say something similar that I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do until I saw someone else doing it. And then it immediately you resonate. I think in a lot of ways, you, you know, you were that for me of just going, okay, I think I could speak, but I don't really know what that looks like. And you're just kind of Googling and find horrific websites and going, okay, <laughs> if, if this guy with his spiky hair can do this, then surely, you know, surely I can figure it out. And so, yeah, I think sometimes it's just finding that mentor, finding that person that's like, that's it. Like, that's the path. That's what I need to, to follow.
1: Yeah, it it certainly does help provide inspiration. And I think it's good early on in the game because it it sort of verifies that this idea that you have in your mind that perhaps no one in your family or your circle of peers or friends can relate to, that it's something that could actually be, that could happen. It's something that that has some legs. But, But I think it can be a mistake as you begin to try to establish yourself because you can Uh, you know, I think it's good to be inspired by certain people, but ultimately you're going to find a lot of resistance in the marketplace if you just try to carbon copy someone. And not because someone's going to, from an outsider's perspective, see that you're trying to copy them. It's just that particularly if you're a service-based business, so if you're providing a service, whether you're like an accountant or a speaker or a writer or whatever, but something where sort of you are at least partially the product, in being in copying someone, but, but not being inspired by someone, which is more ideal, but by copying someone's path or journey or tone or voice, you can lose all of your authenticity, which means that then you lose everything about you that, that offers you a unique position in the market. And I certainly did that for a certain period of time, and it's so easy to fall into because uh, you know, that person is proven, that idea is proven, and I'm yet not proven. And right. that can be a very terrifying sort of place to find yourself in, uh, but you still have to try to, you know, stick to your voice, stick to what is, what is the awesome and the awkward about me that that I could bring through my medium, whatever that might be, that would position me in a unique way.
0: So, when you finished up high school, did you end up? Did you go to college at
1: Yep, yep. Went to uh, college in Oklahoma, but for me, even uh, I mean, even going into my freshman year. I knew that this speaking thing was what I wanted to do. And I thought it was what I would do my entire life. This was my new fascination. This was a new thing I was nerding out about. This was a new thing that I was, you know, constantly trying to, again, video game mentality, sort of optimize, beat the high score. How can I do it differently, quicker, faster, more efficiently? So for me it was I was completely gung-ho on that. And any sort of education, whether it be in a formal setting or an informal setting. It had one purpose and one goal in mind, and that was to, to benefit either the art or the business of speaking. And for me, I have always probably been you know, 70% a business guy and 30% a speaker. I, I honestly enjoy selling the speech a touch more than I enjoy giving the speech. I do enjoy yep. giving the speech, but I, I enjoy the challenge, the chess match, just the dance of trying to figure out how to sell it even yeah. more.
0: Yeah. So you you go through the, what, your first year of college or so, but the whole time you just feel like, I'm just playing the game. I'm just jumping through the hoops. I know over there is what I really want to do. So are you doing that for yourself? Are you doing that for your, your parents at the time? or what, Why are you in school at that point?
1: Well, just because my career had not yet stabilized itself where I could justify sort of completely jumping into it. I have buddies who they sort of, you know, they're sort of working this job or in this situation, but they have this thing that they really want to do. Right. They have the job that they're working, but they have this job, this thing that they really want to do. The side hustle. And, yeah. And some of those things are very ambitious and very obscure. And some of those things are very straightforward and very, very possible. But for me early on, I set, uh, and this would be my advice to anyone who finds himself in this situation is I set a specific parameter of a certain amount of money that I need to be making per year before I could allow myself to sort of jump ship and fully dedicate myself to speaking as my career. Because it's really easy to lie to ourselves and say, when I have more time, when I have more freedom, then I'm going to be more disciplined, then I'm going to use it differently. But the truth is, I mean, similar to money management, if you can't manage five grand a year well you're not going to manage 50 grand a year well the truth is that the shovel is bigger now the stakes are higher and frankly you could you could hurt yourself even more once the stakes are higher right so i knew that i wanted to cuz i'm not i'm a disciplined person but i'm not a disciplined person naturally by default so i wanted to try to place intentionally some structure around my dream so that i had to earn my way out of college or earn my way to be able to sort of pursue that full-time.
0: So you're kind of doing that as a plan B, kind of a fallback thing, knowing that the speaking thing, give it time, and it's probably going to work out. I just got to put in the work to make it happen.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone seriously gets into something thinking it's not going to work out, right. um, wrongly or rightly. I don't know whether that was just naive ambition that I had or, or again, relating back to my childhood, just sort of a relentless ability to en- endure difficulty and not be phased by it. I certainly believe that it that it would work out. I it was just how many times am, am I going to have to fail, screw up, have a speech go terribly, waste money on a particular advertising venture or whatever until I can figure it out?
0: Well, obviously, you know, you, you, the career picked up, gained traction, and, and over the years, you've, you know, you've become a, a huge name in this space of, of youth speakers. And even so much so that today you've got this Youth Speaker University course where you're helping uh, other speakers get into it. So for someone that may be listening to this, going, okay, I'm super interested in becoming a speaker, and kind of feeling like you did, and I know like I did, where it's like, I think I'm okay. I'm not the best in the world, but I know I'm not the worst in the world, and I think right. I could actually make a go of this. What are some things that they can do to really kind of get going in that space, whether it be talking to teenagers or just speaking in general?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I think first of all, you got to define exactly what your message is going to be, you know, a very, very rough Ugly draft of what that message is going to be. You know, what are you from your life experiences, your personality? You know, speaking is nothing more than advice mediated through your personality. So, what sort of advice would you want to share if you had an opportunity like tomorrow? If I called you up and said, you know, your ideal audience wants you to speak and they want you to speak to them tomorrow, what are those handful of things uh, that you're going to say? How are you going to say it? How are you going to package it? Because ultimately, if you're going to be a speaker, that message is the product, because the world's greatest tactics and strategies and methodologies for selling that product uh, don't really matter if you don't you know at least have a decent product to sell from the get-go. So So that would be number one, and really do the hard work to figure out what that is. Secondly, I think you need to identify who your audience is. Uh, so for me, early on, my audience was middle school. In high school students, for someone else it might be entrepreneurs, for someone else, it might be educators because they're a former educator, and you know know that struggle of sort of not wanting to get burned out but trying to help your students succeed, so figuring out very clearly who that audience is and and then the third thing that you have to identify early on, and you know this requires just sweat equity, nothing beyond it is figuring out who is your potential buyer meaning Who is it that has the authority and the funds to put you on that stage to share that message that you believe you have in front of that ideal audience? Right. And then from there, then it begins to get sort of a bit more nuanced, a bit more advanced, a bit more technical and specific in these sorts of things. But ultimately, that's I mean, that is the foundation of the speaking business is you gotta have something to say. You gotta know who you're gonna say it to. And you got to have someone, and you have to know who that person is who could hire you. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of time and money and energy asking the wrong people to hire you.
0: Yeah, and I think that third point there is so critical. I think a lot of speakers drop the ball on it in that, you know, I know who I want to talk to. I know what I want to talk about, and I'm just going to sit back and wait for the phone to ring. And it just doesn't right. work like that. Like you really know over time that might happen. The longer you do it, the more people you see who see you, the easier it is to get booked as a speaker. But when you're starting off, you got to. It's a lot of just knocking on doors and trying to get people to. Hey, you know, if you're interested, here's what we do, and here's you know some similar things that we've spoke at, and just trying to present yourself as an option and trying to stay top of mind with people. But uh, typically, if we just wait for the phone to ring or the emails to come in, it rarely does that actually happen.
1: It's a great point you bring up because I think a mistake that so many of us can fall into is that when we want to do a particular thing, be it speaking, writing, starting our own business, whatever, well, what do we do? Well, we sort of forever nerd out on the internet about studying these men and women that are at the top of their game, at the top of that sort of niche little industry that you want to get into. And the challenge can be is, is when you're not necessarily inspired by them, but that you think that what they have now is what you're going to have tomorrow. And so for some people who have been in an industry for, you know, a decade or so, yes, perhaps the phone does just ring and the gigs do just roll in and these sorts of things. Uh, but you're not seeing the previous 10 years. You're not seeing those first couple of years. For me, as an example, when the phone was not ringing, there were no inquiries. No one wanted to hire me. I was very much an unproven product in the marketplace. And so, you know, it's good to be inspired by someone's end result. But if you try to use the tactics that that person is using today, you're going to fail because what they're doing today is not going to work for you if you're just entering a marketplace.
0: Yeah. And I know that's something that you've referenced before. I've heard you mention is that uh, a lot of times when we're looking at someone's journey or story, we look at them as they are today on top of the mountain. And we're looking at points x y and z whereas you may miss out on a b and c these are the things they did early on you don't just arrive at xyz overnight but it it just takes years and years and years of those times where maybe nobody's seen you nobody knows the work that you're putting in you know I, i joke with people that ask me, like, how do you become a good speaker? I was like, you know, you saw me give this talk today, but you didn't see the hours and hours and hours I spent going over it in my house or going over it in a hotel room or writing it and rewriting and just practicing it and just prepping for that one moment that you see that most of the people we miss out on the work and the hustle that it takes on anything behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I'll get, you know, emails or talk to someone in person who's an aspiring speaker and This is no fault of their own, but a meta-message behind what they're saying is ultimately, you know, I want the career that you have today, not necessarily the career you had 10 years ago. Right. Uh, Because what you're signing up for, all of us have to realize, what you're signing up for when you go after that thing is not the career that someone that inspires you has today, but the career that they had 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago. And you know, I feel like it's important to sort of, if you can look at, so as an example, if you want to be a speaker and you can try to imagine, envision, research and discover the career that I had 10 years ago, which was not the, you know, cool, impressive events like National FFA, bazillion kids in the audience and all this, but very small audiences going very poorly, not getting paid much, the struggle, if you can look at that squarely, and with absolute integrity say, I am fine taking on that challenge, I am fine signing up for that, I am fine buying that piece of real estate, then I think you'll have more success because your expectations are healthy to the degree that when you try something for a year and you don't have such and such as career yet, you're not going to be discouraged and depressed.
0: Right, right. I'm sure there's uh, some early videos of you floating around on the interwebs. We could probably find. They're
1: terrible. We, unbelievable? We need, we
0: need to find those.
1: We need, I tried but, to wipe them from the face of the planet.
0: They're they're there somewhere. No, that's you know I think that's the case with any like any craft, any whatever it is, whether it's speaking or art or music, the first draft of anything is horrible but if yeah. you stick with it and you iterate and you keep plugging away over time that thing that started horribly starts to become something that where there's some value and meaning there exactly but you yeah. got to be willing to put in the work exactly so let's fast forward to today. I mean, you're someone who, you know, you start off in this youth speaker track and you've done that for a while. And I, I would, I, you know, this is something you you would say, I think, that over the past few years, you've accomplished a lot of what you would want to accomplish in this space. You know, and that's not necessarily like, you know, you've arrived, or you're on the top of the mountain, but you've, you know, you've become a, a successful person in this world. So what do you do in that place when, you know, you, you start heading down a path thing like, this is it, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then you kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of loses its, not necessarily its appeal or its luster, but a lot of the challenge is no longer there. You could go speak to an audience of 1,000 teenagers today and kill it, and so the challenge isn't there like it was before. So what do you do at that point to just kind of transition and keep it interesting or keep it fresh for yourself?
1: Yeah, that was definitely a troubling time for me, is that I sort of had this list of goals of certain things I wanted to speak at, certain different sort of metrics that i wanted to hit and you know i guess you know eight years into it or whatever the case was i sort of review that and go man i've i've done that so that you know and and i had no other plan i guess perhaps maybe secretly you know i thought that i would never accomplish any of this stuff so let's just put it down on paper because that's what the secret tells me to do and i'm gonna have a cadillac in my driveway so come on now yeah and then uh I had done it, and and then, so there was sort of that challenge. And then secondly, as you said, it, it was no longer a challenge to me. It was, you know, to get up and speak and, and crush it with a very specific audience. Right. It was not at all a challenge, and so I, I realized that it had been a long time since I was terrified, since I was scared, since I felt completely out of my league. And for whatever sick reason, I enjoy being in that position. Uh, Maybe I don't enjoy it, but I appreciate it. And, And I appreciate the challenge of being in that position. And I just felt very, very stuck. And then sort of the third scoop of this is that my wife and I were talking about beginning to have a family. And then on the backdrop of sort of this dysfunctional family that I grew up in, though my priorities don't always express it, being a good dad and husband to me is is paramount is more important to me than, than anything else. So I had this juxtaposition of this, uh, pretty, pretty intense ambition in my career, but also this desire to be a good father and husband. And, and I had now built a successful career doing something that would, as a result of that success, consistently take me away from my family. And, I was reading something and it sort of blindsided me and I realized that I thought that I was an entrepreneur. I thought I was building a business, but really all I had was a high paying manual labor job. Yeah. And so that was very very yeah, I felt like I had no one to talk to about this. I didn't I wasn't sure what to do. I I knew I didn't want to continue that, but I had no idea do I just scrap everything and you know start opening up restaurants or go into real estate or what does this mean? So for me, when I'm stuck in a situation, I try to identify someone who has achieved a particular result and pay them whatever amount of money that it takes to get some of their time to help pinpoint not the end result that I wish to achieve, but, but the next step towards the end result that I wish to achieve. And so that kind of began this transition for me of how can I still you know, make an impact and an income? helping in sort of this youth and education market, but do it in a way that scales, do it in a way that challenges me and that intimidates me and gives me some new things to to challenge myself, but still continue to, to serve that market. And so, you know, five or six years ago, 95% of my income was dependent upon getting on an airplane and fast forward to today, that's probably more like 5%.
0: Right, right. Well, I think there's some real lessons there and just some some nuggets there that finding some of those spaces that are intimidating, where you, you do kind of in that pit of your stomach, you're like, I don't know, this may not work. And like you're saying, the first time you show up to speak at something, you kind of have that fear like, this could go really well, or this could be a huge disaster. And I don't right. know. And that's part of the fun of it. And over time, you're like, I could do it in my sleep. And that's not necessarily just for for speaking. I mean, that's for any type of skill. The longer you do it, the more monotonous and routine it can become. So I think you've done a great job of making kind of that lateral transition to let's go over here to this space that I'm not completely abandoning the speaking or this market, this this group that I've worked with that I still genuinely like. But I'm starting to look over here to say, hey, here's this thing now where the challenge starts to exceed the skill set and where I I start to have that that feeling of fear or concern in my stomach that this could go great or this may be an epic failure. And I don't know, though, unless I try.
1: Yeah, and for a lot of people, sort of that path was, well, you just got to go and speak in the corporate market. Because then you can charge a higher fee, and so then you have to do less speaking dates, and then thus you can kind of maybe perhaps travel less of the time. But for me, I, I wanted to take on the challenge of how can I build a seven-figure business in a space that perhaps doesn't have a lot of price elasticity the way that the corporate market does, because I don't, I have no passion, I have no desire, I have nothing in my past or my background that that makes me want to earnestly serve that market, and. For me, I think it's important that that for me, again, I am in love with serving a particular audience, not falling in love with the way in which I serve them. So in the beginning, it was the education market, kids and families, and it was speaking. And today, it's still the education market, kids and families, but it's no longer just speaking. It's a variety of different things. So sometimes I think there is a way, though the path may be less clear, That assuming you still love that audience, assuming you're still challenged by that audience and the challenges that they face and the problems that they face, that you don't have to abandon them, that your audience doesn't have to change, but you have to change. You have to pick up some different tools. You have to figure out a way to do it differently. And that is a joyous, terrible process.
0: Good times indeed. I mean, in that vein, uh, I know we're going to wrap up here, but I, I know you're getting ready to start a uh, a podcast that's coming out soon. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to be starting a podcast in August, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, it will be started or not started, who knows? And it's going to be called Parental Guidance, and it's essentially going to be for parents, educators, mentors, those who work with teens. It'll be a call-in show. People will ask their mm-hmm. question. And from research and my experience in these sorts of things, I will offer the best advice that I can. And for me, this was, it'll be interesting for me to see how it goes, to see whether or not I actually like it the way I think I might like it. Uh, who knows? I'm fascinated to see what goes well, what doesn't, what I learn from it. But for me, I realized that I had this certainly a weakness in our portfolio of products and services as far as something that was consistent, ongoing content that was free and that added value to our existing clients and to potential clients. Right. And for me, I find the writing process, though I've written a couple books, to just be terrible and <laughs> painful. Yep. But if someone asks me a question, about a specific thing, yeah, you know, I have no problem running my mouth about it, so.
0: There you go. Well, that'll be cool. We'll definitely have to check that out. And I think that, again, that fits well with what we've been talking about here. Probably going into it, even as you describe it, it's the type of thing where I think this will work. I've got some confidence in my own ability and some, be able to put something together, but it's, it's a fear, it's that venture into the unknown. And so we're going to try it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, great. But it's, I'm willing to at least take that step and make that risk versus just sitting on the sidelines and, and hoping it all magically works out.
1: Yeah, I did a podcast about six years ago, and uh, I got burnt out on it. It was called Hey Josh, and the advice was, it was sort of Q&A, but specifically from and for teenagers. And I just got really burnt out on it, and the reason was that at the time, you know, you can either do things for your ego or you can do things for your business. And that was certainly something I think, yeah, it's sort of 60% for ego, because I had no business model behind it. I was sort of doing this activity, making this noise, getting a little bit of attention, but I had nothing for that particular audience beyond that. So, you know, I think when you're approaching an activity or something you're going to take on, you know, you... You, it's of course important that you're excited about it and that you're passionate about it. But if you're really excited and passionate about it, then I would encourage anyone to do the work that makes sure that you're going to be able to sustain it. So, you know, whether for you that means having a business model behind it or some sort of structure where you're Only doing the things that you're really good at, and you're able to offload the things that you're not good at or that would fatigue you or frustrate you to someone else. So, you know, I think for any of us, if there's something that you love, you have to protect it. And for me, that's what I've done with speaking now. I do around a a dozen or so dates each year now because I do love speaking, but the travel, the time away from family became something where I, I began to resent it. And so, Not by abandoning it, but by setting up different structures and confines for it, I was sort of able to protect it. And so thus, long term, it survives and does better. Cool. Good stuff, man. Hey, for people that want to find
0: out more about you or keep in touch or even learn more about uh, YouSpeaker University or parental guidance, what you got going on there, where do we find out about all that?
1: All of the goodness and glory Mm. is at JoshShip. That's with two Ps, JoshShip.com.
0: Hallelujah. Beautiful stuff. Hey man, appreciate the, uh, the, the feedback hearing more about your story and your journey. Thanks for sharing that with our audience and uh, we'll hope to talk to you soon.
1: Yes, sir. Peace out.
0: Boom! There you go. Hope you enjoyed that episode with uh, with Josh Ship. Uh, hopefully, uh, you learned a lot. You're inspired, especially if you want to get into speaking. It's a really lots of great information there on uh, on really beginning that journey. There's a lot of people that I talk to who would love to become speakers, and maybe you're doing something similar or you're doing something just totally unrelated, and you're like, I've just every time I see a speaker, I'm like, I could do that. I want to do that. So uh, make sure that you you listen back through and take some notes there on different ways that you can get into speaking. Hey, uh, anything that we discuss and talk about, you can check out at grantbalden.com slash josh. Ship that's ship with two p's. So uh, make sure you stop by, visit the blog. Lots of good, uh, lots of good blogs. Lots of good uh, posts there that we've we've uh, we've written that uh, you might want to swing by and check out as well. Hey, also uh, I'd encourage you to check out Josh's new podcast, uh, Parental Guidance. So if you're someone that's working with students, if you know someone that works with students, make sure you check that out. It's, uh, it's a good resource. And then also a couple other things I'll mention to you. We put together a, a guide to just give you some tips, tools, strategies. My top ten tactics for connecting with influential people. So if you're someone who's going, okay, I I get what you talked about at the top of the show, finding someone that's doing something similar that I want to do and just learning from them. So how do I actually connect with those people? Once I I pick out maybe a couple people that I'd love to be mentored by or learn from or just kind of uh, pick their brain or whatever it may be. How do I actually go about getting in contact with them? So uh, definitely, definitely, definitely do this. You can you can download this uh, this free PDF. Here's all you have to do. You can text the word Grant B all one word, just Grant. My first name G R A N T, and then my uh, first initial of my last name B. The letter B as in Baldwin. All right. So text Grant B to the number five zero five zero zero. Again, text Grant B to five zero make sure that you do that and uh, we'll send you a link there to, that you can download that free PDF and check that out also we've been getting a lot of just great reviews and feedback on iTunes love hearing from you guys and love uh, knowing that the, the show is helping you it's encouraging you and uh, just helping you really think through and, and process some uh, some different things I got an email the other day from a guy who said I stumbled across your podcast and uh, I work by myself in landscaping and I, I ended up listening to all 20 some episodes in one day so that is hardcore <laughs> Or commitment right there. But he said it's just been super helpful. And there's, there's emails we get every day from people around the world who've said that the podcast has been really, really helpful. So if it's been helpful to you, would you mind doing us a favor and just leaving us a rating or review on, on iTunes or Stitcher? You can go to com slash iTunes or com slash Stitcher and uh, leave us a rating or review. Uh, again, it helps me out. It helps to know that people are listening to the show. Also, it helps to when... Um, uh, within the ratings and, and rankings and all of that stuff. It helps other people to, to find the show. So so thanks for taking the time to do that. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, the uh, this, this uh, show is continually uh, encouraging you and inspiring you to think through your life, where your life is headed, and what, what it is that you want to do in terms of a career and, and work and finding work that you love. So thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will be coming at you again real soon. Peace out, Girl Scout. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.